0: Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, July twenty-first, two 2014. Today, we are reading from the Big Book, and we are in Chapter 7, Working with Others, on page 96, the third paragraph, beginning with, He May Be Broke. Today's readers are as follows. Reading the 12 Steps will be Nancy O. Reading the 12 Traditions will be Alice. And reading the text will be Janice M., Rick B., Susie K., and Sharon H. The share ID for Sunday, July 20th, is 6675-OA Preamble.
1: Good morning. It's Nancy O. we in Ohio. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Ten, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Nancy O. I will now ask Alice to read the OA 12 Traditions.
1: Good morning. This is
2: Alice, a compulsive reader and bulimic from Florida. The 12 Traditions are, number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever nonprofessional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues.
0: Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book in Chapter 7, Working with Others, on page 96, the third paragraph, beginning with, He may be broke. I will now ask Janice M. to get us started.
3: And thank you, uh, Rebecca, and everyone. Good morning to you. My name is Janice M., and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. He may be broke and homeless. If he is, you might try to help him about getting a job or give him a little financial assistance. But you should not deprive your your family or creditors of money they should have. Perhaps you will want to take the man into your home for a few days, but be sure you use discretion. Be certain he will be welcomed by your family and that he is not trying to impose upon you for money, connections, or shelter. Permit that, and you only harm him. You will be making it possible for him to be insincere. You may be aiding... In his destruction, rather than his recovery. All right, um, this is um, helping others, uh, sponsoring after a, a spiritual awakening, and um, we need to, as sponsors, be very, very careful here, using our skills, our experience, our dis- our discretion, which means good judgment. We need to have. Good judgment and careful consideration here in making the decision um, you know when we work with somebody, we get to know how they are. we get to know how sincere they are, if they manipulate you know or whatever, and that's what I mean because if they are uh, keep picking up the food and picking up the food and they say they don't have any money to buy food to buy food, well, you know perhaps we may be. Enabling them, if we, you know, start giving them money. Um, I mean, you know, I've had an experience of having somebody in my home for a couple of days, you know, and, and taking it to the market, and um, you know, showing her how we eat and how we prepare food, et, et cetera. And then they have to take responsibility for themselves. I can't enable anybody. It'll, it'll, it'll destroy them rather than help them. That's my experience here. And another thing I had to look at is my ego. You know, am I playing a big shot, Um, which I would tend to do with money? Be a big shot, you know, like Bill. Give the money out, you know, show them how great I am. That's not a very good motive um, because then, um, you know, people may feel entitled. People may depend on, the sponsors may depend on me and, you know, that's the last thing I want them to, that we have to do is have them depend on a sponsor. They have to depend upon God, uh, not me. So you know, I'm really not a banker for financial difficulties or sprees. Um, and again, we have to become responsible for ourselves. Um, and this is a, a lot on discretion. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. Who
0: would like to share on this paragraph?
3: Katie G. from Boston.
0: Okay, Katie G., go right ahead. Thank you.
4: Thanks, Rebecca. Good morning, everyone. This is Katie G., recovered from Boston Math. Really grateful to be here and um, loved hearing the previous share what um what really I remembered about um, coming in and getting abstinent is I, I just wanted someone to fix me I just wanted someone to take me and my life and be like katie i'm going to fix you, and here's some money, and you know you're right, and this is what you should do and um you know, uh, what I realized rather quickly, um, I also, there was one other point I had thought of, where I didn't want to accept responsibility, right? Like, I was eating my brains out, and yet I didn't want to admit and or acknowledge that there were consequences to my behavior so that if I picked up the food and then didn't show up to work or I picked up the food and, you know, refused to call a sponsor because I thought it was ridiculous that she wanted me to call her at 7.15 in the morning, that there were consequences to my behavior. Like I wanted to act the way I wanted to without regard to anyone's wants, needs, or capabilities. And what I love about this, you know, bottom of 96 to 97 is it's, It's outlining boundaries, like making sure that, you know, all I can do as a sponsor, my job is to take the hand of whoever extends her hand to me and put it in God. And the only way I know how to do that is to help them identify abstinence and bring them through the steps, you know, help them get committed in their drugs and bring them through the steps so that they're clean and they're they're getting rid of their disease so they're understanding the core of who they are, their selfishness, dishonesty, self-centeredness, and fear. And, you know, what has been so amazing to me is I have been blessed by women who tell me the truth. Like, I don't want to call, and and that is, is, you know, what this is speaking to me, too. It's like like having, when I came into the rooms and people started to actually tell me the truth, like, Katie, actually, when you don't show up on time, I can't trust you. You know, I know you want me to, but I can't trust you. Or, you know, when you, um, when you are binging your brains out and then you want money from me, I, I can't give that to you. You know, like I can't, I can't help you with that. Um, and so what I'm so grateful for is the honesty and the ongoing honesty of, of women I have that I work with on my sub-10 and 11 that are saying, you know what, Katie, actually that kind of behavior not so good. That's leading you down a slippery slope. You know, and here's what I hear. And this, you know, so I love that this is a program of rigorous honesty. It's a program of growing up, of realizing that no human power can fix me. It's nobody's job. That God is my rock today. And that I can move forward with God is my rock if I am solid in my abstinence and working the steps and helping others. And that is so amazing. Like I can take my patent leather shoes off, put my big girl shoes on, and God's going to take care of me. You know, um, so I'm just truly, truly grateful to have these guide- this guidance, these boundaries, and a way of life that works in all situations. And with that, I do pass.
0: Thank you, Katie G. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Larry. Hi, Larry. Go ahead. Leah. And then Leah.
5: Good morning. Uh, thanks for your service, Larry. Recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. You know, um, th- this is one of the things again. You know, and look in working with others. One of the challenges <clears throat> that that I uh, run into is is how do I balance compassion with you know with with helping others in a way that might be you know more destructive for them is what they're alluding to here it might be more destructive to them and and that that can be a tough thing you know and here at this in this paragraph it gives me some guidance i mean compassion though look i i spent years utterly in with the inability to be compassionate to anybody i mean, I mean you might catch me being compassionate to uh you know it was easy to 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 be compassionate to my daughter that 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 was easy It certainly felt easy, even when I was in the disease, you know. Um, But in terms of others, you know, so that was kind of like like selfless giving. The only thing that I could really say that I was just kind of um, driven, you know, to provide, um, you know, compassionate, unconditional love to my daughter. Beyond that, when I was in the disease, there wasn't no compassion. Okay, not a lot. Um, it may be surprising, but that that's just the truth okay so so i I err on the side I try to err on the side of compassion. now we've heard you know about enabling, and i I, I get that term too, and i and I understand you know enabling can be destructive so no i i don't uh I, I try to discern how do I discern i don't trust my thinking um, as well, I ask God to guide my thinking. And, you know, this God of my understanding does guide my thinking. And I, and I readily go to that, that God of my understanding and I say, you know, what do I do in this situation? Because part of me feels that I want to offer this person compassion because you know what? When I was in the throes of my disease, it was really helpful when, when people showed me compassion and understanding. You know, not enabling but compassion is a feeling, you know, when someone could extend to me a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for, you know, for 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 someone who's stricken by misfortune. You know, accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate that suffering. That felt pretty good and I'll tell you what it kept me in the fold. It kept me in the fold of this recovery for a time until I could learn and you know, learn how to form a new relationship with my creator. Now that being said, Sometimes, you know, we we have to we have to be uh, we, we we have to project uh, tough love. So no, I I don't I do But I do err on the side of compassion. But no, I don't. I'm not going to do something that's more destructive to, to someone else. Uh, and and one of the biggest things for me is um, it, it's not even necessarily about giving money. Or that doesn't happen too often that someone's asking for that. Maybe that was back, you know, with, with alcoholics, that might be a, a different thing. But, um, but with me, it's it's someone who wants. I, I perceive or discern that they want therapy. They want someone, you know, just to call and just to unload their problems every day. Then I go to God and I and I try to discern if am I being helpful because, as was said, we don't. I don't want them to have a relationship with Larry. I mean, yes, could be in relationship with larry i want i don't, I want them to get a new relationship with God because that's what got me well. No human being got me well, but there were many loving human beings that showed me compassion, and that was essential to my recovery and I never want to forget that, and with that, I'll pass.
0: thank you, Larry, Leah.
6: Good morning. Good morning. This is Leah from Brooklyn, New York. Um, uh, what, I, what I take that from over here is that this book is giving us direction. It is telling us exactly how and what and how our program is going to work if we do so and so and so. So what I have is empathy and um when i see someone who's really really desperate you just sort of feel it you you hear it in their voice you see it and and you do try to help them but it's telling it's telling you you know be be certain that uh, you know you know just don't don't overdo it and 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 don't let yourself get harmed or or anyone else and the the way i compare it is um if someone is learning how to drive and they're going to take a test and if they're going to cheat by that test, they're going to say, you know what, give me the answer. What am I going to do over here or what am I going to I'm going to make a left turn, am I going to I'm going to go into the intersection or what if what if I can just pass that yield sign and and it's okay? What happens is that when that person eventually does get behind that wheel, they're going to have to they're going to have the real test and they're going to have to know how to drive that car and that that's going to be that's going to be the ultimate um the way they're going to behave or the way they're going to keep their abstinence or the way they're going to continue to produce or whatever um you know go through uh, uh abstinently and and also um you know, the way the book, big, the big books, uh, tells us. And um, thank you. I'll pass.
3: <laughs> thank
0: you, Leah. This is Rebecca, and I'd like to share on this paragraph. I'm moved to share because I'm going through this very thing with someone right now, and I've been torn as to what's helpful and what's not helpful and what my role is. And as we read this, I'm looking back on some prior things that were mentioned in the book. On page 94, your candidate may give reasons why he need not follow all of the program. And on 95, where it says, if he is not interested in your solution, if he expects you to act only as a banker for his financial difficulties or a nurse for his sprees, You may have to drop him until he changes his mind. This he may do after he gets hurt some more and then further down, if he thinks he can do the job in some other way. And so I have a sponsee who um, was picking and choosing what I had to offer she was willing to accept and what she was going to dig her heels in about and she picked up her version of pick-up. I thought she was already picking up, but she did pick up. And and she is someone who um, ran out of food. And um, I was so torn about whether I should help her financially. And um, I took heed of this advice. You may be aiding in his destruction rather than his recovery and didn't act on the urge to help her out financially or with food because um, I asked God for help and I was told she's got to hit her bottom and see, you know, what's what. And um, she really had trouble with, why I wouldn't help her in that way and it's been difficult for both of us and this stuff is real it's really happening and I hope and pray that I am doing God's will and not Rebecca's will and I just so appreciate that this is being discussed this morning and with that I'll pass would anyone else like to share on this paragraph Okay, then I think it's time to move on. Rick B. with the next paragraph.
7: Good morning, my name is Rick, a recovered compulsive overeater. Never avoid these responsibilities, but be sure you are doing the right thing if you assume them. Helping others is a foundation stone of your recovery. A kindly act once in a while isn't enough. You have to act the good Samaritan every day, if need be. It may mean the loss of many n- nights' sleep, great interference with your pleasures, interruptions to your business. It may mean sharing your money in your home, counseling frantic wives and relatives, innumerable, innumerable trips to police courts, sanitariums, hospitals, jails, and asylum. Your telephone may jangle at any time of the day or night. Your wife may seem your, your wife may sometimes say she is neglected, a drunk may smash the furniture in your home or burn a mattress. You may have to fight with him if he is violent. Sometimes you will have to call a doctor and administer sedatives under his direction. Another time you may have to send for the police or an ambulance. Occasionally, you will have to meet such conditions. There's a lot of dramatic um, and serious stuff outlined in here that applies more to the alcoholic and especially the alcoholic back in the day. So when we read this paragraph, we have to uh, take it in context with what we're doing when we're helping compulsive overeaters. We're probably not going to fight with them and have mattresses burned and call the police, but that's, that's really not the point. The main thought is in those first few pa- first few sentences, never avoid these responsibilities, but be sure you're doing the right thing. In other words, don't look the other way. Don't assume you have nothing to do with it. Don't assume that the person is crazy if they're asking you for something. That's avoiding it. You have to consider those responsibilities. Whether or not you do them, um, that's another thing. But then it says, helping others is the foundation stone of a recovery. A kindly act once in a while isn't enough. You have to act a good Samaritan every day if need be. We have to be helpful. That's the focus of step 12, is helping others. And we have to know how to do that. And others, you know, pointed out some, some good examples of the best way to be helpful. And just being nice once in a while isn't enough. Writing a check for somebody or doing them a favor doesn't uh, rid you of your responsibilities. And as the reading says, it, it might make it worse. It makes make somebody dependent on you but the next sentence you have to act a good Samaritan every day and it's a balance of what we can do and what we can't do how we can be most helpful to another person Um, you know the idea of the good Samaritan was a story about helping someone in need that was different, different than you. And that's what we have to do. We have to be helpful for someone that may be at a different place than we are and be compassionate and be respectful and understand the difficulties that they're going through and put aside our prejudices and not be self-thinking and and self-seeking but to be be thoughtful of others and have our thoughts always with the other person. And as somebody pointed out, that wisdom will come from God. And how we end up acting out is going to be different in every situation. There's no um, one rule about you know, how much money or how much time or how much assistance. But if we're doing it out of love and we're doing it out of kindness for our fellows, then we know we're doing the right thing. If we're doing it to build ourselves up, that's not what the, the essence of these, these paragraphs are. So I'll pass with that. Thanks. Thank you,
0: Rick B. Who would like to share on this paragraph?
8: Hello, this is Rachel Kim? from Israel.
0: Kim Rabia. Hi, Ra- and hi Judy B. Hi Rabia and hi Judy B. Was there anyone else I missed?
8: Kim. Uh, uh if you tell me this is Rachel from Israel. Rachel? Yes.
0: Before you go, I just want to acknowledge I heard Kim as well. Rachel, it's your turn. Sure.
8: Yeah, uh, you make the order. You call on me when
0: uh, it's your it's my turn right time. now, Rachel. Right
8: now. Okay. Thank you very much. Yes. Um, this this paragraph, I, I'd like to say something because I I found myself at both sides of the fence once with good Samaritans helping me in a way that I will never forget. What fellowship when I didn't even know and they didn't know. How to work the steps the way we are learning it now, but they were good Samaritans because the fellowship was strong in that city and um, and on the other hand, I was once at the end where i was where where I took somebody into my house uh, in a in a situation and um, I think the most important thing is really that it's done out of the right motives and that the person is in a in a spiritual condition that he really listens to discern what and how much and in what style God wants him to act. So the first one was that I uh, I moved to Boston after my house burned down, and I moved into an apartment that got promptly, it was a basement apartment that got promptly flooded. I was out. I was back in my city to finish some business then. I came back, and the boxes were all wet, and it was a Friday, and I had to fast, find another place and grab those boxes and get out of there because uh, that was not, you know, after I cleaned that place so well. Well, I, uh, I found myself, the new job wasn't paying yet, and the insurance didn't pay yet for what they needed to pay, and I really found myself almost penniless. And what did I do? I was already a member of OA many years before that. I just called OA, and these two good Samaritans came, and they helped me, and they lent me some money, which I gave back as soon as I just as soon as I could. And not only that, they came and they helped me, so I should have food for that Sabbath. But um, I, um, they, they came on Sunday to take me to a meeting and to connect me with other people. So it's priceless the help out of the kindness of the heart. And we have that, you know, we we're, we're holding hands around the globe now. With everybody, and people connect with each other and and it's the kindness that moves it and makes the wheels turn the second time unfortunately i was I didn't know that I was not in a good enough spiritual condition, but I took some a girl into my house and made meeting for her here and for two weeks she ate the way that i you know she she got on a good clean abstinence and it dragged me down into the pits. It was too much for me. It was too much for me. I thought you know I learned and I didn't understand well that any alcoholic that comes out of the hospital has to find another alcoholic to help him. so here I was, but I didn't realize that these are people who did all the steps right there in the hospital and came out a new person with a with a total um, with a total psychic change um, so uh, you know on both sides but God leads the way, and I I know now a little better, a little more limits, and mostly to know when I'm doing it for them or I'm doing it for myself. Am I enabling or am I helping? So that's just what I wanted to say, and thank you, Rebecca, and hi, and God's love to everybody.
0: Thank you, Rebecca. I pass. Thanks. Rabia?
9: Good morning, Rebecca, and... Thank you, everyone, on the line this morning. So grateful to be in this meeting with all of you at this hour of the day in my home. Such a gift every day. And I am Rabia, and I am a recovered, compulsive overeater from New York. And love and kindness, that's what I'm hearing. And the what popped out at me today was the sentence, it may mean great interference with your pleasures. It, meaning helping others, may mean great interference with my pleasures. And uh, my life is so so different today because I'm living in 10, 11, and 12. I've never lived in these steps before. I have... Um, as I shared before, many times gotten through most of step, most of, I I lived a life of most of. I got through most of step nine. I was mostly abstinent. I was mostly working this program. I was, mostly was my code of ethics. And um, so I had mostly gotten through step nine. And very happy with my slim body once again, and and all of the promises of the ninth step, and rested on my laurels, and and I won't even say slowly but surely, but pretty quickly selfishness and self-centeredness uh, seeped back in, and and I was too busy in my new slim life uh, to be bothered really with ten, eleven, and and twelve, and. You know, I tried to practice uh, step 11 every day. Try to have a conscious contact, but wasn't doing much 12-step work, and certainly wasn't taking a daily inventory. And today, I am. And so, so I never wanted to be inconvenienced. You know, that that's where my selfishness and self-centeredness takes me. Um, I don't. I I don't didn't like to be inconvenienced. And today, I realize there is a great interference with. Some of my pleasures and some of my desires for the day, and it doesn't even feel like that. It feels like loving service. I I love the service now that I can do by being a big book guide and sharing what was so freely given to me, and and it's a new life. and And I know that love and tolerance is our code. We learn that in the big book, and it manifests is loving kindness. And uh, like I said, I, I'm hearing that through everyone's shares on the phone this morning and it really touches my heart and I'm so grateful to be in this circle of love with all of you. And with that, I'll
10: pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Rabia. Judy B.
10: Uh, good morning. Uh, this is Judy B., a recovered compulsive overeater in Massachusetts. Um this paragraph just brought up so much for me. Um, helping others is the foundation stone of your recovery. I have just found that helping others is what uh, gives meaning to my life. And, and it's because um, so many people gave, uh, gave service to me when I was in the pits of this disease. And I am just so grateful, so grateful that they were there for me and I want to be there for others. And um over this past week uh, i I was out a few times away from the phone and um, when I came home, there were a number of of messages and um and at first, I had this this feeling of being overwhelmed, and yet you know I just I listened to the messages and I was able to get back to the people that I needed to get back to and 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 it and it is with that experience that I realized that the people I work with have other resources too. You know, I'm I'm not the only resource they have. You know, we've talked about um, calling other people that are on our our beautiful member list, and we've talked about getting into the big book and 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 reading uh, certain pages over and over. Um, yesterday, a person called while I was out and um and i thought oh i'm just so sorry i wasn't there when they when they called and yet at the end of their message um they left the message well i know what i have to do right now i really have to pray and meditate and i just felt such joy to know that that they know what to do now and um and that's what i want to do as i work program is to help people to get to the point where they they know what to do, even if they can't reach their sponsor or another OA member you know that they've made a relationship with God where they where they have answers and that and just to know that this fellowship is there and and they can reach out to others it's just it's a beautiful program um, one of the lines I wanted to mention your phone may jangle any time of the day or night I really have to say that I I do have boundaries around my phone calls, and um, it's necessary for me right now. And yet I do know that others have the phone numbers of people in different time zones, and and they can plan their time accordingly, and, and they do have resources. They're not left up in the air. So I'm just grateful for this program and so grateful to be there today. Thank you very much, and I pass.
0: Thank you, Judy B. Kim?
10: Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G,
4: and I'm a recovered-compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Helping others is the foundation stone of our recovery. A kindly act once in a while isn't enough. You have to act the Good Samaritan every day if need be. You know, I I, I think step 12 is really grounded in step one. You know, I understand that I am powerless. And I understand that I have to carry this message with the desperation of a drowning man. There's an urgency to it. Because I understand in and of myself that chatter in my head will start again and I will eat again. But if I keep this connection open up with a higher power, then I am recovering. I don't have to. It's not a part of my consciousness. You know, and I understand that the best way I can see God is in you. In you, I can see God. Often in myself, I cannot see it. So that's why I have to be carrying this message every day. A kindly act once in a while isn't enough. So we should be asking ourselves, you know, you know, how are we carrying this message? It's not just about sponsoring. It's not just about sponsees. Jeanne talked about, you know, are we returning our phone calls in a timely manner? When we go to meetings, are we only talking to our friends and are we ignoring the people that are suffering? You know, I heard someone recently say, "Don't judge your program with the number of meetings that you make, but the number of one-on-one work that you do." I also heard recently, you know, "When's the last fifth step that you took?" If you are actively working with people, if you are actively carrying this message, you should be taking fifth steps. And that was a really interesting question that I actually posted on a Facebook page for for OA, and I got two responses out of everyone because. Because we need to actively work. Are we, are we taking people through these steps or are we just acting like diet buddies? You know, and it is, this is not convenient. It's not convenient. I just want to tell you about my day yesterday. You know, I went to my home group at 9 a.m. and I stayed after for an hour and a half with two fellows and took them through the bill stories and there was a solution. You know, it was inconvenient. I, my, my shopping was, was, was put off. I came home, I beautifully, gratefully walked for the two hours of the recording from yesterday and filled myself up with the recovery. And then at 6.30, I took another fellow through the doctor's opinion. And let me tell you, those people I worked with are not sponsees. I had my sponsee called at night. It is not convenient to carry this message. But I understand that my sobriety and my connection with my higher power is contingent on this maintenance of the spiritual condition. And one of the best ways that I maintain my spiritual condition is by working with others. If carrying this message is convenient, I challenge you, are you doing enough? Are you doing enough? We have hundreds of people on this line. We have hundreds of people listening to the, to the recording. Are you extending the hand? I'm not, once again, not talking about sponsoring. You know, one of the greatest things I think we do is, is, in the after-eating is to offer take someone through that doctor's opinion. Until we know what we suffer from, why would we do these steps? I have to be willing to have uncomfortable conversations with people to let them know what a compulsive overeater is, hopefully to touch something in them, to really disturb them enough so that they are willing to put themselves through this process. Because I'd much rather you be pissed off at me and have a chance of recovery than to like me and me to go to your funeral. It's very simple. So I'm going to read that again. Let's challenge ourselves. Let's challenge ourselves if we are doing enough for this fellowship that has saved each of our lives. Helping others is the foundation stone of your recovery. A kindly act once in a while isn't enough. You have to act a good Samaritan every day if need be. And with that,
0: I pass. Thank you, Kim. Does anyone else want to share on this paragraph? Sure.
11: This is Carolyn. This is Dwayne, my share.
0: I heard Sarah. I heard Carolyn. I heard Wayne, I believe. Dwayne. Oh, Blaine. Was there someone else? Judy F. And Judy F. So Sarah, Carolyn, Blaine, Judy F. Did I miss anyone? Sarah, go right ahead. Suji. And Suji.
12: Go ahead, Sarah. Uh, good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, Vision, For you. This is Sarah W. from Iowa Grateful Recover. compulsive overeater. You know, uh, what, a, what a wonderful way to live our lives, you know, to be able to help others. And at the same time, um, you know, I have many responsibilities in my home. Uh, you know, I, I'm a grandmother who's raising two grandchildren that are that are um, 13 and a half and and almost 17. And um and I work. And you know, when the phone rings, I do my best to answer it. But if I'm in the middle of dinner, I don't answer it. Um, if I'm sleeping, you know, what I tell people is, you know, if you have an emergency. You know, I don't mind if you call me in the middle of the night. You know, I've been there, and I think that that's important. But emergency is an emergency. You know, um, I don't want to be woken up in the middle of the night if I'm sleeping, if somebody's, you know, just um, wanting to talk, you know. um, Sometimes uh, that can wait. On the other side of it, um, I think it is about discernment, and and that's what I heard this morning. And I think, you know, if I'm taking away from my family – And I'm not being cognizant of being, uh, you know, uh, taking the responsibilities that I'm supposed to take with my family. I need to look at that. Um, You know, I sponsor a lot of people. I talk to a lot of people. I love the program. I want to be there for people. And I know that, you know, my job is not to save the world because I'm incapable. You know, it's through God's grace that, that we are saved from this. And I know that I do need to carry the message. Um, and sometimes we are the only message that people see. You know, we're, we're the only people. And you know, like like somebody else was saying, you know, it's not the meetings I make; it's the steps I take. I don't have OA in my town. The closest OA meeting is 65 miles away. So, a uh, vision for you is my OA meeting. Uh, but I think that the important thing is that that I am willing to be there as best I can. Um, you know, I can't, uh, remove the oxygen mask from my face and no longer take care of myself so that I'm going to save the rest of the world, you know? And so I think, you know, and, and then too, as, as somebody else said, you know, I agree. I think it's totally true. If I'm doing it to give myself a pat on the back and to make myself look good, I need to look at that, you know, so discerning my motives in and, and my behaviors, but I love to work with others. I truly do. I want to be there for people. I want to share my experience. I want to work the steps uh, and, and teach others how I have worked the steps and and and, and work in the big book, and work in the 12 and 12. I believe in those things. But I do think that I need to discern uh, my own responsibilities as a member of society as far as, you know, if I'm a person that's within a family and I have You know, a lot of children, I need to be attentive to my children. I need to be attentive to my husband. And that um, those are big responsibilities, too, and I can't avoid them by going and living in the recovery world and not being responsible for my, uh, my, my own responsibilities in my home. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Sarah. Carolyn? Did I get the name right? Was there a Carolyn who was after Sarah?
13: Yes, hi, this is Carolyn. I'm sorry, can you hear me now? Yes. Yeah, I, I unmuted, but I guess it automatically remutes her after a while. Um, the thing I wanted to say was that um, yesterday on, on A Vision, um, one of the wonderful speakers talked about uh, compassion, and he said, um, honesty without compassion is cruel, but compassion without honesty can be deadly. And, um, and that is something I experienced for many years in these, in these rooms, you know, clearly gaining weight, clearly um, not living in recovery, and having people say, you know, how are you doing? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm fine, you know, I broke my abstinence, but otherwise everything's fine. Oh, good, good. Keep coming back. You know, meeting makers make it. Um, Service is swimming, you know, and um, those things, you know, they may be true to some extent, but they didn't work for me. Um, I spent 10 years in the rooms, you know, with, with lots of love and not very much, you know, true recovery to, to see. And um, it was when I discovered vision, thank God, through through one of my fellows at an OI meeting who handed out um, sheets that she had typed up with all the information and said, this is how I recovered after so many years, just do it. You know, who didn't say, you know, oh, you know, how's it going? And I, I would say, fine, because that's my instinct. I don't want to bother anybody. She said, just take this and go on, please. Um, and, you know, so honesty, um, it is important. And I think it's an important part of being a friend also outside of program. I have a friend who's in a very tough situation right now, which, you know, I I saw coming. And um, I, I kind of tried to hint around at it. You know, I mean, she's a friend. She's not my child. I, you know, I can only do what I can do. and, and But, you know, part of me feels now like, was I really honest with her? Did I do her a service as a friend by, you know, saying, oh, yeah, I understand. Mm-hmm. That's really hard. You know, I feel for you. All that's true. Um, but I didn't tell her necessarily what I saw as the real truth because I didn't want to lose her friendship. I took the easier, softer way. And um, it's the same thing with the sponsee. I mean, I, I had a sponsee who um, she wanted it. She was working hard for it, um, but she was so resistant, and she was giving me such a hard time. And, you know, I was afraid of her because she could be kind of nasty. And um, so I had a hard time just saying, you know what, you know, I I don't think you're completely ready and I don't think I'm the right person. Um, So, you know, at a certain point, um, you know, we we can't enable, you know, uh, that was one of my main problems as a sponsor. Like, you know, if I want it more than they want it for themselves, it's not going to work. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Carolyn. Uh, the next person to share is Dwayne. I'm sorry, I made a mistake with your name.
11: That's okay. This is Dwayne, a recovered per- compulsive overeater. Good morning. And I can identify on both sides of this paragraph. I remember uh, being in ICU, uh, having been just diagnosed with diabetes. and was almost, actually, if I wouldn't went that Particular evening, I would have died because my blood sugar was over a 1,000. I didn't know what that meant because it wasn't me with diabetes. And, um, you know, throughout the program, you know, I would hear certain things about the jaywalker and, 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 you know, my health just went downhill. And I was in the room, in my ICU room, uh, feeling sorry for myself, and then I started getting angry with OA because in my crazy thinking, I thought, well, you know, I'm in a hospital and no one gave me a call. And really they didn't know I was in the hospital because it was I went to the to the to get a test and they found out my blood sugar was out of control and they hospitalized me. So I sat there in my self pity and just thinking, no, this OA program doesn't work and you know, I'm not gonna ever call anybody and this whole list but I got a call on my cell phone from an OA member and just said, Hey Dwayne, how you doing? And I said I'm in the hospital in intensive care, and I was just diagnosed with diabetes. And the person said, I'm so sorry to hear that. They didn't give me any lecture. They just said, I'm so sorry to hear that, and I'll be praying for your recovery. And that was enough, enough spark to, first of all, keep me back in old way. I realized it was was that craziness in my mind. And long story short, um, through the program of recovery, I'm almost all medic. My blood sugars are normal. I don't. I'm not even. I don't have any symptoms of diabetes. But then I carry that message on to other people. And so I think back on how uh, that service is so critical. So it's not a matter of maybe having someone come to your home, uh, someone bearing the mattress. But I know that there are a lot of illnesses because of our uh, compulsive overeating. You know, obesity, that sort of thing. And so uh, I've been helping in that kind of way, picking people up for meetings. Uh, I remember one uh, member. Uh, had problems finding a job. And so we spent a Saturday afternoon uh, working over the resume, looking at the cover letter. You know, I would rather have done something differently with my family that Saturday afternoon, but I do things all the time with my family on Saturday afternoon. So that member was in need. Uh, another situation we I do daily, there's a member who first came with, who's just new to the program and they didn't understand the big book. They were kind of going all kinds of crazy ways. And I said, we could study the big book. The time that we have is 5.30 a.m. So every morning at 5.30, that means I'm up before 5.30. Yeah, I would rather be sleeping at 5.30 in the morning. I'd rather be doing other things. But as the book says, you may get a call in the middle of the night, you know. Uh, Service is the cornerstone of our recovery. So I know that when I do those sort of things, it really strengthens my recovery state. But I reflect back on when that one member made that phone call that literally changed my life. If I wouldn't have had that phone call, who knows what would have happened if I would have got out of that hospital and said, I will disavow away forever. But I got out of the hospital uh, uh, room and went on to get recovered, and now um, my health is, is excellent. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Duane. We're running out of time. Um, Judy F. and Sue um, G, both are in the queue. So if both of you are willing to share briefly, we'll squeeze you both in. Judy F.
4: Oh, thank you, Rebecca. This is Judy F., uh, uh, Composable Reader, Recovered from Massachusetts. I, I just wanted to hone in uh, with my experience that um, your telephone may jangle at any time of the night day or night, your wife may sometimes say she is neglected. And when I came in, when I um, met my husband and, and got married, I was five years abstinent and uh, and recovered. And it, we've been married 17 years. And he he has had trouble with the program at times. Um, he didn't know me in my disease, so um, and he's not an addict himself. So I think he thinks if I picked up, it would just, I just get back on, but um, he does. He has seen where um, I I need it, and I'm helping others. Um, and but sometimes it's it's uncomfortable, and I have to go to God and say, ask God what's the next right thing. Um, and I do tell my um, I suggest to my sponsees that they get a network so they have someone they know out in the West Coast that they can call late at night. Um, and, and so forth. So um, it doesn't mean I'm doing anything wrong if my husband doesn't like it, but um, I do try to give him time and then I'm 100% there for him during his time. And um, But this program works if I just go to God first and be directed by God. Um, but it is a cornerstone in
1: my recovery and service. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Judy. Yes. Sue G. I'm sorry to put it this way, but can you keep it short?
14: Certainly. Thank you for your service. This is Sue G from outside Philadelphia, a grateful recovered member of OA. So I think once again we can pull it all together with a little step twoing which says, I am not God, that I'm part of the team here and that the the steps and, and doing them through the big book really helps me with this. I'm a member of a community of helpers. And I don't want to enable. I want to help someone to be able to do what they can do themselves. I, I don't want to do it for them. And that includes my husband, my dear one, the one I live with. And, and I do need to prioritize my needs and his needs. I can't be everything to everyone I can be the good Samaritan as best I can. So yesterday I had about five phone calls and I managed to answer two of them. And I tried to filter them and I asked for God's help and I filtered them as, I think these are the neediest ones and those are the ones I answered. And I thought about the other people and I know them and they're part of my 10, 11, 12 network. And I thought, you know, they know how to fend for themselves and they know they have the community. And really, one of the two people I help has a good community herself, and the other one is lost in space, and she thinks I'm God. And my interaction with her is to say, hey, I'm not God. You know, I can't help you with that. If if we really can be aware, and being a good Samaritan involves communing with your higher power and and doing the next right thing, doing the best you can, not doing it perfectly, because we're not perfect, we're only human. Thanks for letting me share.
0: Thank you, Suji. Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Suzy Kay please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Suzy Kay. Is Sharon H. available?
15: Yes, Rebecca, this is Sharon. Do you want me to uh, read that?
0: It looks that way. Thank you, Sharon. Okay,
15: all right. Thank you. This is Sharon H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask Him in your morning meditation